Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. We are awaiting possible Trump remarks at the New York City courthouse. We will jump in and bring him to you live if he speaks as the fraud trial, the scam, continues today in New York. And the Supreme Court of the United States is now looking at curbing the power of federal agencies, which makes me a very happy man. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Thank you for being here. We have a lot to chat about on a busy, busy Monday. Obviously, the shutdown averted. We can all have a big sigh of relief. Uh, this is all about Ukraine funding. No question about it. But, uh, but, uh, but here's some good news. Here's some good news. The Supreme Court in New York... Excuse me, the Supreme Court of the United States is now looking at curbing the power of federal agencies. And this is good. We've talked a lot about this, about reigning in the deep state and going in there and reforming the executive branch of government so that the elected president actually has people who are accountable to him. The Supreme Court returns to the bench today for a term that conservative activists hope will bring new constraints on federal power from how it regulates financial institutions and environmental protection to what revenue sources Congress can tap to replenish the Treasury. They're also going to consider whether Second Amendment gun rights extend to domestic abusers under restraining orders, whether South Carolina discriminated against black voters in drawing its congressional districts, and whether Purdue Pharma's $6 billion settlement of opioid lawsuits can move forward. Well, none of the cases on the docket so far packs the visceral or political punch of issues that dominated like, you know, abortion or affirmative action. The focus on federal power could have far reaching consequences. Conservative justices are skeptical of 20th century precedents that gave federal agencies broad discretion to adopt regulations furthering protections for consumers, workers and the environment typically at the expense of business interests. So a woman named Jennifer Mascot is a professor at the Antonin Scalia Law School, said it's really about the breadth of power being exercised at the federal level across the board. 
but in particular with administrative agencies in the executive branch. Just watching right now, this is not live. Trump is, I think that's B-roll right now that they're showing. But if he does speak, we'll bring it to you live. But just monitor that for me, guys, if you would. And uh, just jump in at any moment if he starts to talk. It's really about the breadth of power being exercised at the federal level across the board, but in particular with administrative agencies in in the executive branch. Justices are weighing whether there needs to be a correction. We know there does. We obviously know this. Executive agencies are out of freaking control. These three-letter agencies have way too much power over you, over me, over all of us. Whether it's the Internal Revenue Service, the EPA, the ATF, you name it, they have too much power. And there's no accountability whatsoever. None. This all started under Woodrow Wilson, the worst president in the history of this country. Then it goes over to FDR, who makes all of this, puts it on speed. And then you have this massive expansion of the executive branch to Barack Obama, Johnson, Obama, where we are today with this clown in the White House. And every time Republicans get in there and try to rein this stuff in, they're stopped by the very bureaucrats that work for them in the executive branch of government. You know, despite what you're, you're told, the, the bureaucrats in the executive branch don't work for the American people or the United States of America. They work for the president. They work for the president. They answer to the president. They're supposed to anyway. But instead, we're told all the time we have these uh, independent agencies who are accountable to the American people. No, they're accountable to the executive. The executive is the president. And these three-letter agencies know, the bureaucrats who are there know something. They go, we're going to be here longer than you, pal, all right? You can't get rid of us. We're cockroaches. We've been here before. We're going to be here forever, all right? You try to get rid of us. Good luck. So if the IRS decides, you know what? Let's start busting the chops of uh, babysitters and kids selling lemonade stands. Anybody who makes more than $600, we're going to come after you and bust your chops. Well, who stops them? If the APA, EPA decides to make a, a, a nightmare situation for somebody in their own private property, who's going to stop them? And you'll get a president who will come in and appoint a cabinet secretary who will say we're going to have this agency be responsive to the taxpayers and not bust their chops. And the bureaucrats sit back there and they're like, please, we've heard this before. I've been here 25 years and I'll be here as long as I want and nothing can happen to me. And there's something called the Chevron deference, which basically says, yeah, whatever a three-letter agency wants to do, they can do it. Have at it. Nothing you can do about it. Congress uh, passed a law saying we need clean air, and if they decide now that that means that they can ban your gas stove, well, so be it. And that is insane. You know where the gas stove ban really comes from, the big big conspiracy that Republicans made up, conservatives made up, that they were going to come for your gas stoves? which is 100% true. They literally are coming for gas stoves. You know where that started? It started with a little troll at the Consumer Product Safety Commission. This is another agency, completely unaccountable, but it's part of the executive branch of government. So Richard Trumka one day turns around and says, you know what, we have the power to ban gas stoves and let's do it. And we'll cite some stupid study about asthma because he's a kook and he's all in on climate change too. And it was only because we exposed all this that it stopped in its tracks. But otherwise, they would have been perfectly within their rights, theoretically, to ban gas stoves. All they had to do is say they're dangerous products. And that's it. A dangerous product can be banned with a stroke of a pen by a bureaucrat. No vote from Congress. No, not even an executive order from the president. Just a bureaucrat deciding this. You know what? That gas stove is no longer safe. So from here on in, they're illegal. 
And get idiots like Phil Murphy, King Philip the Unaccountable, his royal rugness coming out and saying, nobody's coming for your gas stove. Well, we know that idiot. We know you're not going to come and raid our home and rip our gas stove out of the wall. We know that. But what you're going to do is you're going to ban any new gas stoves and you're going to ban the construction of any new homes that has natural gas. But they insult our intelligence that way. But Chevron basically says, hey, whatever you want to do, go ahead and do it. And if Congress doesn't like it, they can pass a law to undo it. So that's just insane. The executive, which is supposed to be there to see that the laws are enforced, would have to pass a law. I'm sorry, the executive, which is there to enforce the laws, now makes laws and regulations in such a way that then the the legislative branch, who's there to actually pass laws, has to pass a law to undo an action of the executive that has created a rule or a law. You see how stupid that is? You see how, how absolutely antithetical that is to the separation of powers? Some bureaucrat like Richard Tromka can come along and ban gas stoves. And he could have. He had the power to do it. And then if Congress isn't happy about that, they have to pass a law to say we're undoing that action and gas stoves are legal. (laughs) It's crazy. So there's a bunch of cases involving these various challenges. And um, basically now the, the question is whether you can rein in, you know, rein in these agencies. And a lot of this has to do also with, in addition to rewriting Chevron, it has to do with just making the point of saying that the executive is the boss. The elected president of the United States is the boss, which also needs to happen. There's something else, too, that the, um, the, course, the, 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 the court is going to look into, and that is the 14th Amendment. A case on whether Trump's actions related to the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol, whether that disqualifies him from the ballot under a 14th Amendment provision barring individuals involved in an insurrection from federal office is moving quickly through the Colorado courts and could reach the Supreme Court early next year. I think that's the bomb that will go off between now and June that will turn the country's eyes back to the court. For now, administrative laws in the center ring. With partisan gridlock often sidelining Congress, executive agencies have often moved in to fill the policymaking gap by extrapolating their existing authorities to new conditions. The Supreme Court has made it clear its distaste for such practices from emergency measures related to the COVID pandemic to environmental protection agency regulations. And don't forget like the time during COVID when uh, the CDC came out and said, yeah, you can't kick anybody out for not paying their rent. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention decided they had the authority to issue a nationwide rent moratorium Meaning that if anybody were to come in and say, "Uh, yeah, I'm not paying rent anymore, you couldn't kick them out. You still have to make your mortgage payment, but you couldn't kick out those deadbeat tenants. And the CDC did that. And the Supreme Court said, "You, you don't have the power to do that. All right, back off, man. But guess who dissented? The lefty judges, of course, because the lefty judges believe that whatever bureaucrats want to do, they can they they can do it. Because that's how you really run the country. You want to fight climate change? Don't expect Congress to deal with it. You need bureaucrats to do it. You want to deal with COVID and keep everybody locked in their homes? You need bureaucrats to do these things. And in some ways, they're not wrong because the bureaucrats are there because they are the true believers. And they'll do whatever the hell they want. 
and they don't get fired. So in addition to that, the term, the court plans to reconsider a landmark precedent that has un- undergirded regulatory decisions known as Chevron USA, the Natural Resources Defense Council. This is a ruling from 1984, and it directs courts to defer to agencies when their interpretation of their powers is plausible under the statute's terms, a doctrine called Chevron deference. Now, initially it was celebrated by the right, which makes no sense, but that was the times back then. The 1984 decision upheld the Reagan administration's refusal to take certain steps to curb air pollution. Many conservatives now complain that the Biden administration and its Democratic predecessors have used executive powers to advance policies beyond those contemplated by Congress. See, I would argue that the Reagan administration was correct in its interpretation by saying, look, you can't force us to execute... In other words, to enforce the law if we don't believe that that's what the statute intends. So that was the argument. In other words, the Natural Defense Resources Council wanted the EPA to do all these things. And Reagan's EPA at the time said, no, that is beyond the power and scope of what Congress has authorized us to do under the Clean Air and Clean Water Act. They were correct. Because if the executive says, we don't have the power to enforce that, that is correct. They, they do get to make that interpretation. I mean, hell, Biden's doing it on the border right now, right? But then what they did with Chevron is they took it a step further. And they said, well, in addition to the executive saying what laws it doesn't have to enforce vis-a-vis it doesn't agree with the statute, we can now make up new things based on the statute so we can add new laws and add new regulations to it based on the statute as it's written so the minute the democrats get in there they turn around they went woohoo what kind of rules can we set and since that time massive regulations tens of thousands of them have hit the books carrying fines jail time all kinds of fun things Later this term, the court is going to look into a case involving a regulation applying to herring boats. We've talked about this before. So the commercial fishing industry is asking the court to overrule the Chevron deference decision and give federal courts greater discretion to decide the extent of agency power. That's because in that case, the federal government turns around and says, hey, you got to have a guy on your herring boat to make sure that you're fishing for herring properly. And, oh, you got to pay for it. So the commercial fishermen turn around and go, listen, we're just making ends meet here. What, what are you talking about? We got we to gotta now pay a guy to be on our boat to monitor how we're catching herring seriously? And the, the executive agencies go, yeah, that's what you got to do. And you got to pay for him too. He's going to be on your boat to bust your chops, make sure you're fishing for herring properly, and you got to pay his salary. Congress didn't pass that law. Some executive agency just decided on it. And now it's the law because that's how it works. They just decide these things and then it becomes the law. So hopefully the court will use this herring issue to overturn or at least drastically rewrite the Chevron deference decision. And the courts also agreed to consider whether Congress can tax unrealized capital gains as income, a case stemming from the 2017 tax cut law signed by President Trump. The measure included a one-time tax on 30 years of profits 
that U.S.-based companies held overseas, as well as individuals owning at least 10% of foreign companies. Conservative challengers are hoping that in Moore versus the United States, the court will define income subject to taxation narrowly, heading off the possibility that a future Congress will consider taxing accumulated wealth or other assets. So that's what's uh, at stake for the court in the next term. But the big one to watch, of course, in my opinion, the most the the one that will matter the most to us, even though it's not sexy, is Chevron. Because reigning in the administrative state, reigning in the deep state, unaccounted, unaccountable, unelected bureaucrats who think they can do whatever the hell they want, ban things, regulate things, throw you in jail without Congress passing a law, take away your home, fine you to death. That will have more impact on changing the trajectory of the United States of America away from this massive bureaucratic mess that we're in and returning power to people who are accountable and elected, whether it's the president of the United States or it's the legislative branch. That will do more for our country than anything else. But obviously, the big case to watch, the sexy one, will be the 14th Amendment case. Colorado is going to push this case through the courts. I think they'll hear it much sooner than next year. Well, I should say that. They'll hear it early next year. They're going to have to. Because at some point, states are going to have to turn around and decide whether or not they can put Trump on the ballot. They're going to have to turn around and decide whether or not states can put Trump on the ballot. So I do believe they're going to have to decide that in the spring because that's about the time that states are going to put him on the ballot, at least for the primary elections and then getting into the general elections as well. So there you go. Uh, And breaking news today, the future president of the United States of America, Gavin Newsom, got shudder at the thought, repeals a California law that, that prohibited doctors from sharing unapproved COVID information. He signed a bill on Monday repealing a law that he signed, which prohibited physicians from sharing information that contradicts the prevailing scientific wisdom on COVID-19 and other viruses. This is another another great example I can give you that Gavin Newsom is 100% running for president of the United States. The dude just signed a law to undo a law that he signed. Got it? Right. It's a big win for freedom of speech. It's a big win for the First Amendment. And it is a big rejection of this idea that the government gets to decide what's information and misinformation. But it also shows you that Gavin Newsom is a shameless, soulless political hack who will do whatever he has to do to advance his own political cause. Not that you didn't know that already. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. A lot to chat about today. We will hear from Donald Trump shortly. They expect remarks as he leaves the courthouse. We'll make sure we bring that to you live. And the question, should Congressman Jamal Bowman be investigated either by the District of Columbia or by the Federales? for interfering with an official congressional proceeding. 855-839-1210 if you would like to weigh in today. Now, over the weekend, I was driving my Volvo, my new one, my XC40, loving it, absolutely loving it. And then Bridget took it for a ride. And she came home and she said, I love your car. She went to pick up Chinese food. She said, I love your car. And it's a great car. But you know what I love? That new car smell every five months. Every five months, I get to enjoy that new car smell because I'm in a program called Care by Volvo. And when you take advantage of Care by Volvo, one payment 
includes insurance. I know, car insurance, right? Your prepaid scheduled maintenance, tire and wheel care, 15,000 miles annually, excessive wear coverage, and more for one price. And then after five months, you can try a new Volvo. Keep the Volvo you have or cancel the lease altogether. I love it. I love that flexibility. I don't know what I'll try in five months. I like trying new things, and I love that new car smell. So every five months, I can get a new Volvo to drive around. It's great. You should take advantage of this program, but you got to do it through Cherry Hill Volvo. See, not every Volvo dealer is the same. Cherry Hill Volvo is the is the Volvo dealership in our area that sponsors our studio. So we have the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios. And Judith Krupnik and Yosef, the entire team, they are there for us with incredible competitive pricing. And they take advantage of every possible opportunity to get you the best deal. So whether it's a brand new certified pre-owned Volvo or a lease or the incredible Care by Volvo lease program, Cherry Hill Volvo is where you should go. They stand with us and you should stand with them. Plus, they're easy to get to. Right over the bridge on Route 70 in Cherry Hill, minutes from everywhere and incredibly accessible. Cherry Hill Volvo, where relationships matter. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. All right, so we are watching if see if Trump says anything outside the courthouse in New York, and um, we will uh, obviously bring that to you live if he does. We also have to talk about Representative Jamal Bowman. We have to talk about Meatball's lawyer, and here's what we will also talk about. Henry, thank you for making me sound smart yesterday. My buddy Lee Pavorsky took me to the game. And uh, it was fun. I acted, pretended like I knew what I was talking about when I told everybody that the the, the Eagles were going to crush it and destroy the commies. <laughs> and then I sat there going, what the hell is happening the entire game? I mean, I was right there with you. I was thinking that the entire game. What the hell is happening right now? But you told me, you told me that the Eagles were going to destroy the commies. I thought they would. It seemed very likely at the time. Now, How many people lost money yesterday? Oh, a lot. I, I bet too many people uh, bet on that spread. I think it was like eight and a half. Yeah, way too many points. I think people might have jumped off bridges. It was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. It's, it's funny how like the Eagles are 4-0, but the sky's still falling a little bit here. It's funny. Not be- yeah. we're, we're winning, but it's like we should have beat them by more. They're not we good teams, have. though. Like, the teams they're beating aren't that good, and the schedule's getting tougher, which is why I'm a little nervous. Yeah, no, it's you definitely have some caution going into the season, but uh, they're still fine. They're 4-0. 4-0 is 4-0. <clears throat> 
<coughs> excuse me um <clears throat> had a little thing well yeah but we're four and oh but the, the thing about it though is that we we should be playing better even though we're winning don't you think yeah i mean you could say that about a lot of teams but the fact of the matter is it's you know a lot of miscommunications on the you know routes you know receivers not reading the field correctly and jalen's you know throwing it where they should be uh little things like that that make the offense look out of sync and then the defense needs work. That's that's for sure. I mean, they got torn to shreds over the middle of the field by Sam Howell all day. So uh, hopefully the defense can get more healthy, get back in the swing of things, and, yeah, I think we'll be fine going forward. All right. Now, meanwhile, though, and I want to give a shout-out to my buddy Joe Adams. Joe was at the game, Uber Joe. We had a good time with Joe. He doesn't actually drive an Uber, but that became his nickname yesterday. But it was a good day. I'll tell you what, it's a beautiful day for a game. Totally. I mean, what, t- uh, absolutely gorgeous weather. Perfect weather. It was great. Yeah, and good day for day drinking too. A little Sunday fun day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Yeah, hopefully get some of that weather uh, Tuesday through Thursday here too. I gotta tell you, I'm always amazed at the tailgates that happen in the parking lot outside the link. I, it, it, it always amazes me. Every time I go, sometimes I think the tailgates are more interesting than even the game. The way that people get so into this, you know, with big RVs and trailers and I mean grills School buses. like we're. Yeah, yes, Eagles school buses, mini, mini mini buses, and also big buses, too. And, I mean, people have grills. They got flat grills. They got smokers. It's, in, it's insane. We got there at about 10 o'clock. By then, every parking lot was full with people tailgating. They start, I guess, the, I guess for a 1 o'clock game, you got to start at, what, 7 o'clock in the morning, probably? <laughs> I mean, earlier than that, if you can. People, there was uh, there was a pig roast going on. Oh. There was an actual freaking pig roast. They were roasting a pig that, in the parking lot at the link. That's awesome. It is awesome. And that, uh, I mean, I don't know if that happens in other cities, but I think that Philadelphia, we define tailgating. We definitely I really good, believe that. Definitely have a great tailgating scene here. I mean, uh, there's not, I don't think there's a lot of other fan bases that can compare. I mean, there's probably a couple. Uh, and a lot of college football programs also could compare probably – blow us out of the water even but no eagles tailgates are there's something else they're always a nice uh people watching experience too and there's a uh, there's a whole bunch of people that that only tailgate and don't even go to, into the game right. they, they yeah. set up you know the tvs outside in the parking lot and and they bring their own wi-fi with them to be able to stream the game people have were setting up their own routers to be able <laughs> to stream the eagles game in the parking lot at the link <laughs> that's extreme I don't think it I is. I know. I don't think so. It's it's, a, it's pretty much the second best place to watch the game, right? I don't know. You bring all your own food and drinks. You're with all your pals. You get to still hear the roar of the crowd every time there's a big play. I, I don't know. I kind of I kind of dig that. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, look. Looks oh, like Trump's, Trump's going to get yeah. ready to speak. You have it potted up here. He's it looks like he's about to walk out. All right. Let's see what he says. I think it's very unfair that I don't have a jury, but uh, the judge's last statement was very fair. And if I read it right, I'll let perhaps one of the lawyers speak to it. But Cliff, maybe you'll speak to it if you would. But uh, the way I interpret that and the way everyone else in the room seems to interpret that is that the statute of limitations uh, is a very real thing in this country. And that would be about 80% of this case would be over. Uh, could somebody speak to that, please? Cliff, you want to talk about that? Sure. So based on the judge's comments, Based on the judge's comments at the end of the hearing, at the end of the trial today, it would appear that he is agreeing that all the transactions that closed prior to 2014 are now out of the case. 
which is about 80% of the case. And it's also uh, something that we won on appeal, but was not accepted by this court, but now seems to be accepted by this court. Uh, as far as the jury is concerned, uh, it's much different now. I must tell you that it was 20 minutes ago. Going to come out and complain that you know in this country you're entitled to a jury, but we very much appreciate the judge's decision today or his statement today on statute of limitations, which is a very big thing. It's a limited time period, and we did nothing wrong. And if you look at the statements, they showed that even in 2011, I guess the number was 258 million in cash. Uh, very strong company. I don't believe we really, maybe I wouldn't do a couple of deals or something, but I wouldn't have even needed to go to banks. Banks loved our business, they loved our deals, they weren't defrauded, they lost no money, they made money, they had the finest attorneys that there are. Frankly, their attorneys were better than my attorneys. And uh, they made a lot of money, and they considered me a very good client. I paid them back on time, on schedule, there was no default. They never even sent me a default letter. Not one. For years, never got a default letter. And there's no case here. There's no victim. The banks aren't a victim. The insurance companies are a victim. Everybody got paid. It's a terrible, terrible thing. This was for politics. Now, it has been very successful for them because they took me off the campaign trail. Because I've been sitting in a courthouse all day long instead of being in Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, or a lot of other places I could be at. This is a horrible situation for our country. It's never happened before. It's election interference. They're interfering with the presidential election of 2024, and the people of our country see it. But this was a big, big, uh, I, I say surprise, but it was a great credit to the court that the judge was willing to do this sort of overruled himself, and I greatly respect that. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Are you coming back tomorrow? We may. Campaigning instead of doing this. Because we built, I built a great company. That's one thing people are seeing all the way back to 2011. And today, it's much bigger and much better and even much more liquid. That was $258 million for a real estate development. That's a lot of money. It was in 2011. Today, it's much more than that, much, much more. I built a great company and did great things for New York, and they should respect that. I've employed thousands and thousands of people in New York, and they should respect that. The Attorney General of this state is a disgrace. Letitia James is a disgrace. She's a disgrace to our country and to the state of New York. She should focus on all of the violent crime and the murders going on in New York, not on somebody that paid back the banks in full without a default, and in many cases paid them back early. Thank you very much, everybody. All right, you never know. Okay, so uh, the president is, the former president is pleased that at least uh, some of the cases uh will be covered by the statute of limitations some of some of this but it's still not over for him obviously and he reserved his harshest criticism once again for the attorney general of the state of new york letitia james by the way speaking of crime i don't know if you know this or not but target has announced a new policy uh they are now working with the united states department of homeland security to combat theft as shoplifting 
is shuttering stores, including in New York City, by the way, including in New York City, where I, I believe Target just announced they're shutting down at least two stores in New York City. Uh, Trump is departing the Manhattan courthouse now. And the uh, question of whether or not he will be in the court again tomorrow, I don't know if he actually answered that or not. But some of the some of the real estate and related business transactions on the part of the Trump organization uh, and those having to do with real estate and that sort of thing will 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 not be covered in this due to the statute of limitations. However, there are still others that will be, but transactions prior to 2014 are out of the case due to statute of limitations. And the whole case should be thrown out, in my opinion, but at least that was that. And the president seemed, the former president seemed to be very pleased that the judge at least uh, did that. Okay, so 855-839-1210 is the number if you want to weigh in today. We have a lot to chat about, including crime, the border, meatball, and what she's doing to raise money. Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Eventbrite, they backed down when it came to uh, freedom of speech. Uh, Censored for taking a stand, Eventbrite. You can use them to organize various events and that sort of thing. Well, there was an event that was going to happen with uh, Chloe Cole. Chloe Cole is a detransitioner. You've heard her story many, many times. It's a very, very sad story. Chloe Cole has uh, talked about the horrific mental and physical effects of her transition. And she's very outspoken now, a teenager, very outspoken, warning people against allowing children to go down the road of mutilating their bodies and amputating body parts. Well, an event warning against the transgender treatments and surgeries on minors featuring the detransitioned teenager named Chloe Cole has been removed from event management, managing and uh, the ticketing platform Eventbrite. An email provided to the Daily Wire, Eventbrite claims it has deplatformed the event hosted by the Palmetto Family Council because it violates a policy on hateful, violent, and dangerous events. Quote, we have determined that your event is not permitted on the Eventbrite platform as it violates our community guidelines and terms of service, specifically our policy on hateful, dangerous or violent content and events, said Eventbrite's trust and safety team. As a result, your event has been unpublished. Please be aware that severe or repeated violations of our community guidelines may result in the suspension or termination of your Eventbrite account. Now, Palmetto Family Council said in an email that the event, which is slated for November 6th, is being held to discuss the dangers of transgenderism for minors and specifically to foster a movement to stop the genital mutilation of minors in South Carolina and across the country who are too young to consent to such procedures and therapies. Simply put, the Palmetto Family Council has been censored for taking a stand against the LGBTQ plus progressive agenda. Our staff is working diligently to find a solution to this unexpected situation. Now, look, obviously, Eventbrite can do whatever the hell it wants. It's a private company. But I think it's outrageous what they're doing. And will I choose to use Eventbrite to organize things? Not if I can help it, no. Because if they're going to act like this, as in this notion that we, we won't allow events that we fundamentally disagree with, we won't allow our platform to use that, that's fine. You have that right. They have that right. That's their right to do so. 
But remember, though, you have a right to then choose who you want to use to organize your events going forward. And perhaps Eventbrite is not the, the organization that you would use. See, I don't think they think that like that. I don't think they think that way. In their mind, everybody will just simply cheer them on. You know, the left is just everybody, and it's just a small group of people. These companies don't learn, right? They don't learn from Bud Light. They don't learn from Target. Incidentally, just a little observation yesterday. And it's what it's a completely it's just an observation. I have no data to back this up or anything, but I just noticed something at the game yesterday. I noticed that the the beer kiosks that were selling beer, not kiosks, but you know the little stands outside the link, inside the link, but outside the the seating area, the Bud Light ones had very short lines. The ones selling Coors Light and other brands of beer had very long lines. So I just, again, it's, it's an anecdotal observation. I, I have no idea if there's data to back that up, but I noticed that. I was paying attention to it because, you know, one of the guys in the group bought me a Bud Light as a joke. Ha, ha, ha. And I don't like Bud Light, so I didn't drink it. Well, I don't like it. I mean, I, if somebody hands me a beer and I like it, I'll drink it. I, you know, I'm not going to pay for it, but I don't like it. So I went up and got a Peroni because I like Peroni. It's good Italian beer. And then I drank a um, Coors Light at one point. They didn't have Yingling. They didn't have... I was hoping they would have had Yards, Philly Pale Ale, or Yingling, but it's all the big mass-marketed beers, at least in that area of the link that we were in. But anyway, I just noticed that anecdotally, that the Bud Light lines were, were short and that the other beer lines were long. So, I mean, you, you would think at this point, c- companies would recognize this and just think to themselves, all right, you know what? We're just going to let this event go through. And if anybody asks us, we're going to say, hey, look, our policy is we don't get involved in the content of the events so, you know, people use us to organize their events. We don't police that. We don't police the speech. And, you know, we're open to everybody. But they won't do that. They, they think that by taking a stand against allowing Coley Cole to speak about her experience when she was just 13 years old. She started medical gender transition, as it's known, mutilation, when she was just 13 years old. By 16, she then started to detransition. And she's suing Kaiser Permanente for her transgender treatment. She testified before Congress recently, and she pleaded with lawmakers to let her story be the final warning. She said, quote, doctors are human, too, and sometimes they are wrong. My childhood was ruined, along with thousands of detransitioners that I know through our networks. This needs to stop. You alone can stop it. Enough children have already been victimized by this barbaric pseudoscience. Please let me be your final warning. And it's not the first time that Chloe Cole has been the target of censorship. Earlier this month, the team was censored by Instagram. Not exactly why she was censored by Instagram. She captioned a photo of her bio on the social media platform wherein she identifies herself as a D-transitioner. Now, she notes that she's female with two X chromosomes and a former trans kid. It also says that she was started on testosterone and puberty blockers at age 13, underwent a double mastectomy at 15, and finally detransitioned at 16. Your account cannot be shown to non-followers, the social media platform site Instagram said. Your account activity may not follow our recommendations guidelines. What this means, your account and content won't appear in places like explore, search, suggested users, reels, and feed recommendations. Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, Meta, 
They love censorship. They do. They love it. Remember, these entities have every right to do this stuff. I will not argue that. But we have a right, Ben, in the marketplace to also choose who we do business with. And what I know is that Facebook, Google, Instagram, they love censorship. They love it. They do. Because in their mind, that's how they control the narrative. And it's the unholy triad. I tell you about the unholy triad all the time. It's, it's corporate media, big tech, and the government. And they work together to control the message. There's another case going through the courts, which the United States Supreme Court is going to hear, called Missouri v. Biden. Missouri v. Biden is that the Biden administration pressured Facebook, pressured these entities to censor people, to censor people from being able to post on the platform things that they found, the government found objectionable regarding COVID-19. Everything from masks don't work to the vaccines have side effects, whatever it is. And the, the, the big media companies, the big tech companies were more than happy to oblige. Oh, they hemmed and hawed a little bit, but they're more than happy to do it. They didn't tell the government to go scratch because the government has lots of leverage to use against them. They turned around and they threatened them. Well, you know, nice uh, social media platform you have here. Be a shame if something happened to it. You know, a shame if we had to, you know, impose net neutrality or we had to go after you or blah, blah, blah. And so the entities don't stand up for freedom of speech. They back down right away. They go, okay, that's that's fine. Do social media algorithms polarize us? That's one of the questions over asked at Reason.com. A series of studies suggest it's not algorithms that are driving political polarization, ignorance, or toxicity. So what is it? Former Facebook product manager Francis Hugan told members of Congress in 2021 that a safer, saner social media world is possible. But she said leaders at the social media company chose engagement over democracy using algorithms that kept people glued to the site, but also angry, anxious and ill-informed. The diagnosis of the cause of our current political dysfunction, she said, social media algorithms, the cure for that to get rid of engagement-based ranking of content and return to displaying posts in simple chronological order has become the dogma that everybody talks about. They say doing away with algorithms would also halt hate speech and misinformation. But more and more research is calling BS on those claims. The latest comes from a collaboration between academics and Facebook company parent Facebook parent company Meta who set out to explore the impact of algorithms in the lead up to the 2020 election. They weren't expecting these results. Remember, they were expecting that yeah, you know what, the algorithms uh, lead to hate speech, misinformation and everybody's angry and so we need to be able to control it better. And that's what the government wants them to do as well. Users content And then researchers looked at that, tweaking various elements of Facebook feeds to see what effect it would have on things like political outlooks and media diet. The interventions differed by study, but all revolved around assessing how Facebook algorithms affected user experiences. And what they found cuts to the heart of the idea that Facebook could, in fact, produce kinder, better informed citizens by relying less on engagement metrics and algorithms to determine what content gets seen. Both altering what individuals saw in their news, news feeds on Facebook and Instagram and altering whether individuals encountered reshared content affects what people saw on their platforms. But these changes did not reduce polarization. These changes did not improve political knowledge. Indeed, removing reshared content reduced political knowledge. 
They want to believe that by censoring you and by controlling the content, it will produce a greater America with more informed users who are all so nice to each other. It actually makes us more angry. You know why? And this is going to shock you. I know it's going to shock you. People don't like to be censored. Nobody likes to have another adult tell them what they can or can't say, what they can or can't hear. I don't like it. You don't like it either. I don't like the idea that in the public town square, I can't hear from a variety of opinions and form my own conclusions. But these people, like government, they believe that they need to monitor speech in the town square and only let you know what they think is the truth. Because otherwise you might hurt yourself. You might hurt yourself by believing the wrong thing. You know, misinformation, for example, which could kill you. At least that's what we thought in California. When Gavin Newsom, future Democratic nominee Gavin Newsom, at one point signed a bill. Today he signed a bill to overturn the bill that he signed. That's right, Gavin Newsom just signed a law to undo a law signed by Gavin Newsom. To repeal a law prohibiting physicians from sharing information with their patients that contradicts the prevailing scientific sentiment on COVID-19. So back in September of 2022, I remember I had a conversation with Dr. Maz about this. He signed this law, which Maz and I both agreed violated doctors' First Amendment rights to free speech. And also the 14th Amendment rights to due process of law. And it also would lead to less innovation in medicine because doctors would be afraid to go outside what the government deems to be science. You know, Fauci, Asanto Fauci, Anthony Fauci, the nation's leading infectious disease doctor. So much so that if you were to post on Facebook things like, well, you know, myocarditis, inflammation in the heart has been a big thing they found in kids and healthy young males and blah, 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 that a doctor who said those things, for example, under Gavin Newsom's law, could lose his medical license and go to jail. If Fauci didn't like what you were saying, you'd go to jail. The text of the bill includes a clause explaining that physicians who engage in the dissemination of COVID-19 vaccine misinformation or disinformation risk losing their medical license. Indeed, under the terms of that law, California's medical board, which is not solely composed of doctors, was authorized to punish doctors who share unauthorized information with their patients. The bill classified such material as false information that is contradicted by contemporary scientific consensus contrary to the standard of care. In other words, what the government decides is science. And that's the only thing you can talk about and nothing else. So let's say, for example, you go to a doctor and you ask a doctor about an off-label use for a medicine. Doctors are legally allowed to provide medicine off-label for various uses. And they do sometimes. You know, they'll say, all right, you know what? You need to tell your friends that little blue pill you're taking is actually to help you with your sleep. Fine. No problem. I'll prescribe it for insomnia. So here's Viagra for insomnia. They do stuff like that all the time. But not that I know that personally. But but under that, they get in trouble. If they disseminate any information that goes against the standard prevailing wisdom set by the powers that be. When Newsom signed the bill into law, he expressed some misgivings, writing that he was concerned about the chilling effect other potential laws may have on physicians and surgeons who need to be able to effectively talk to their patients about the risks and benefits of treatments for a disease that appeared in just a few years. 
Despite those concerns, he, he said he was confident that discussing emerging ideas or treatments included these uh, subsequent risks and benefits does not constitute misinformation or disinformation under the bill's criteria. I'll tell you the next part of the story upon my return. We have 30 minutes of nonstop talk for you, including the latest on Trump. He returns to Trump Tower in New York City. Big crowd there to wave him and cheer him on as he leaves the courthouse. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.